Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, uh, along with my co-host, Will Lomas, as always. And we're here to recap uh, the Titans' loss to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in their playoff rematch. They lost 20-16. to 16. They remain at—well, no, they, they, they get worse at 7-4 now, but they're still in control of the AFC South. Uh, and still in a good position to to win the division because the rest of the division is is just terrible. But obviously not an ideal uh, game for the Titans here, and it was kind of gross at times, just really slogging. Sorry, ESPN, the ESPN uh, video adverts uh, coming out coming out to play as always. Uh, so sorry about that, guys. But. Um, yeah, just a really slow game. The offenses couldn't really get going. Uh, second half, I thought the Bengals' offense started to move the ball uh, pretty well, but the Titans, as is always the case, the second half, uh, second half offense is just just disgusting, and it, it was it, it was tough to watch at times. They still made it close because you know the defense made enough stops, but it's just. I don't know if it's disappointing because the Bengals are a, a good team and like it's not a shock uh, that the Titans lose a game to, to this caliber of a team, but they just keep losing in the same ways, right? Uh, I don't know. Like, I so real quick, uh, I'm, I'm going to save everybody. I'm going to cut to my stop the nonsense for just a second. Uh, I've been overwhelmed. I was trying to update Twitter and I've been overwhelmed by a uh, U.S. Uh, soccer team uh, GIFs. So uh, you'll have to ask me the question again. So my question was, uh, by the way, we're recording <laughs> this right after the U.S. just beat uh, Iran, not Iran, Iran uh, in the World Cup and qualified for the knockout stages. So current events there. But my question was pretty much, aren't these because I, I, I got into it a little bit with uh, I guess he's one of our listeners. Uh, if you're listening, uh, shout out uh, you. But he mentioned me on Twitter uh, because I said sarcastically like, oh, wow, Mike Vrabel, coach of the year. Am I right? National media members. And we're going to get into the whole Vrabel thing, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, but I just thought that was like a poorly coached game. And a lot of the same issues arise that have always been there for the entire season. And we did a little bit of back and forth, and he thought that a lot of these issues were new in terms of the run defense not being that great. I don't agree with that. Like, they gave up, what, 3.4 yards per carry? It's pretty good. Pretty good. I don't know. That's that's not that bad. Um, But, I mean, the offense just— it's the same. Like, nothing nothing has changed. Like, we thought maybe the Packers game kind of got— the offense may be back on track, but it's just back to the same thing of just having no consistency, no rhythm, and not being able to score in the second half of games. Yeah, and you asked, you know, is, do they keep like it looks like they keep losing games in the same way? It's it's weird because 
when you watch, so like, let's talk about the run defense just to touch on it for a second. So the run defense is weird because on paper they did a really good job. Right. But the problem is it would be one good run stop, a tackle for loss. And then on third and 12, like uh, some crazy pass. I mean, I say crazy. It was just really well, really good ball placement to like T Higgins or, uh, whoever that little dude is who made the only catch on Trey Avery all day. I think it was number 16. Um, I can't remember his name, but it, okay. So the run defense was good, but then that would happen. And then the run defense would immediately get caved in. And so it would be like five yard gain, like small pass, then another, it's just like they would string together two or three good plays and then they would get gashed in a way that, we're just not used to seeing them. So it's like the run defense as a whole was fine because, you know, the Bengals scored 20 points. Like, it's not like they were, that they killed the Titans in any one category, but it just seems like they got outplayed. So that goes kind of back to your coaching question, which is it, all these losses kind of feel the same because we're excluding Buffalo because that was just kind of a freak game. But yeah, like, it's not really only the losses because, I mean, they've only lost four games. It's not like this is happening consistently. It's it's the same type of issues that, that have been there the whole season. Like the offense just can't score more than – they can't score more than 16 yeah. to 24 points. I mean, they scored 27 against the Packers, but, I mean, it's not that much. It's not like a crazy amount. No, and, you know, a lot like – there were similarities in this game to the uh, the Giants game. So it was – you know, there, there were explosive passes down the field. Like there was, you know, the pass to Nick Westbrook-Akine was good. Uh, the Traylon Burks catch was awesome. Like, you know, Traylon looks good. Um, then there was the screen pass that went 74.9 yards. And then Traylon Burks got it in the end zone after uh, Derrick Henry fumbled it. But, you know, so the explosive plays were there. But, man, it is just uh, the first and second down feel like wasted down so many times. And that – that's the whole like I, I tweeted about this when it happened that the Todd Downing, the people that say like, I, I'm not going to stick up for Todd. I'm not defending Todd Downing, but it's like that crowd sucks. Like you, you have to be more self-aware than that. Like I understand that everything is not on Todd Downing and you know, this is not going to be a pile on Todd Downing podcast because he's been bad for a year and a half now. We've already piled on him and you're we're stuck with him until at least the end of the year. So, I, no no reason to beat that dead horse. But if you can't separate the fact that you know, he does not make anything better and it's not you don't have to go out of your way to defend him to say that every single thing isn't his fault. That that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the conversation. You know, propping up somebody, even in the smallest degree, who doesn't do anything to help the football team and who makes them hard to watch. You know, it's it's a bad job. You know, it's the there's good guys on both sides or there's bad guys on both sides or whatever the Trump quote was. Like, you know, it's just it it does not help further the conversation. So. Having said that, like the offense for the most part sucks. Like, you know, I, I know everybody says, well, they were running a bare front and they weren't getting any pushing in the middle. Like, okay, I understand that. But at the same time, your response to that, the only thing you have in your back pocket can't be, okay, well, we're going to go empty and Tannehill's just going to get the ball out really quick because everybody knows that's what's going to happen. And even if you're trying to run a deep concept, Daly is going to get blown up and destroyed because Hubbard or Hendrickson or whoever you're going against that week is just going to widen out and pin their ears back. And he can't take more than three steps without losing. So you, you have to have something else. The, the part that makes me so frustrated is the screen pass worked. You know, the problem is, and this is what Arthur Smith did so well when something is working and you can, do that over and over. Make them stop you. Keep running screen passes. You know, don't don't try to get so cute and run that stupid like split back like jet sweep by Derrick Henry, but then it's actually a fake screen to the left and it's a real screen to the right. It's like the like stop 
trying to get so cute. You like you don't have the time for it with this offensive line, and you don't have the skill position players if you're going to insist on putting Jeff Swaim and Cody Hollister and guys like that on the field. Now, if you had all your wide receivers and you wanted to do that, great. But the fact is that, you know, Traylon Burke, since he's come back, has I, th- I believe he has when he's on the field, he has a 20 percent uh, market share of the targets. That's good. The problem is he should be on the field more, you know, and maybe some of that is pain management or whatever, but he doesn't look hurt. I mean, it's not like they're afraid to throw him the ball at all. Like when he's on the field, like I just said, he gets 20 percent of the targets over the last three weeks. That's a pretty big market share. It, so I, I just I don't know. I, I don't know why. It's so hard to put your best players on the field. And again, the scripted drives was good. Like I, I, I tweeted about it. And after that, I you know, my hands got too cold because I was at the game and it was hard for me to tweet. But. There was a good emphasis on getting the ball to Traylon Burks, getting it to Chiga Conquo, getting it to Austin Hooper, and getting it to Derrick Henry. Like, that's good. But the problem is there's just too many plays in between where there's, you know, a run that tries to go wide to the left, but you condense everything down, Swain gets killed, and you end up in second and eight, or worse, second and 11. And it just, it builds frustration and it puts you in tough situations. And I, to sum that all up, yeah, it's kind of the same thing in that the offense just can't seem to find any sort of rhythm. And, you know, nobody wants to talk about it and that's fine. But there were times when Derrick Henry got taken down on first contact yesterday and that that's always happened. He's always been a more physical runner five yards past the line of scrimmage than one yard past the line of scrimmage. But there's times where he's just kind of not seeing holes develop in front of him and he's not bending any, you know, he's not bending anything back when he's running his zone plays that I, I don't, I don't know. Like he's, he's fine. He's not hurt or anything like that. And he's not going to suddenly forget how to play, but it, there's a reason why he averages less than two and a half yards or whatever it is over the last three weeks. Like he's, He's not hitting the hole very hard when it's there, and then half the times he runs, it's not there. So it's hard to put any blame on him. But, yeah, I mean, they've got to figure out something to make him more comfortable, and they've got to figure out something to make the fact that Chigakonkwo and Traylon Burks are having incredibly explosive plays, you know, week after week. Find a way to just say, okay, we're going to take five shots a game to those guys. And if they work, great. If they don't, they don't. But you need to make the defense fear that you're going to throw the deep ball when Chig and Traylon Burks are out there. And then if you do that, those are two pretty good-sized receiver-slash-blocking-type guys, you know, bigger bodies that can block for you, and you don't tip your hand all the time. And if they start to cheat, then you can run play action. But again, that won't happen because every fourth play, they have to run something out of empty or they have to run some poorly conceived trick play that's not really a trick play or they have to do something where there's no easy sort of concept like there's no easy sort of concept to get rid of the ball and I don't know it's it's frustrating and uh, it's going to happen again and again because that's just the way they're coached but uh, they're you know the the short answer to your question is yeah it is the same loss over and over. Yeah, Todd Downing sucks. I think that's like the main thing we could take away from this. It's the main thing we could take away from this whole season because he's pretty much the biggest reason that the Titans aren't what not nine and one. I I don't even know at this point how many games they've played. Uh, but I really only think they should have lost the Bills game. I think they should have won uh, the Giants game, the Chiefs game, and and probably this game too with a functioning offense. Uh, I think they would have granted like Malik Willis played for uh, during the Chiefs game. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, they should have won that game, too. So it's just frustrating, man. It, it, it's frustrating. And I, I don't want to keep ragging on Todd Downing because we do the same thing every podcast. But it keeps being the same issues, you know, and and now we, we've gotten to the point where the running game is is disgusting, dude. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like you said, some of it's Derrick Henry. I agree. I don't think he looks like himself. 
the run blocking is obviously horrendous. Like I, I think there's one of the worst run blocking offensive lines that we've had uh, in a while. They were okay for the for the most part for a good amount of this season, but these last three weeks, man, and these last two weeks against run defenses that have been bottom seven, bottom five to bottom seven. Uh, in the league, in terms of metrics, I, I like I know the Bengals got the EJ Reader back, but 2.2 yards per carry, and then 3.1 yards per carry against the Packers. Who I don't know if you saw the Sunday night game against the Eagles. Miles Sanders looked like Barry Sanders out there against that defense, and, and the Titans couldn't get anything going on the ground against them a week before. So, I like. It's 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 just frustrating, man. Do you think there's do you think there's a way to to fix the run game? Like, it, it, is it just like a Derrick Henry late season thing? Because I don't think it is. Like we we've gotten to the point where we're playing uh, cold weather games and, and the offensive line isn't helping and Derrick Henry just doesn't look like the Derrick Henry of old. I don't know if, if you know age is is catching up to him, all the touches, um, or he's at this point, just a complete product of his offensive line, which would be a severe issue because it's not a good offensive line. Yeah, I think. So the problem is they're still good, like when you watch him. So, like, I think the first uh, play of the game was uh, Raiden's pulled from the left side and kind of made this crease. And it was like a nine yard run to start the game. And then there's there's other runs sprinkled in through there where Derrick Henry hits the hole hard and he like he has such momentum carrying him forward that he kind of glides through those tackle attempts and that's great and that's what again when they played Kansas City that's what he looked like then and then when they played the Texans that's what he looked like then so I don't know how much of it is if Derrick Henry just fully commits, because there's obviously times where the offensive line isn't winning, but there's times where the offensive line has to hit, you know, their guys covered up at least moderately well. Like they're not driving guys back, but you know, you're not going to be able to do that every single time. And teams don't do that to the Titans very often, but they still get, you know, every now and then they'll get a string of good carries or whatever. Like this run game can be functional, but, at the end of the day, the problem is that, you know, let's say you're going to war, right? Like if the enemy knows your plans, if they say like, okay, this is what they're going to do. Like we know that we can prepare for that. And then the other side just has the element of surprise. You're walking in with a disadvantage. And as long as Mike Brabel is the head coach, you know that half of the plays are going to be runs. So if you just say, look, we're going to play a bare front, you know, a guy head up on the center and head up on both guards. And we're just going to assume that if we do this every single drive, that more often than not, they will start off with a run and we can get them in second and 11 and then we can go from there. And when you're Mike Frabel and you for you, you are so committed to running the ball to a fault that you can't say, okay, we need to change our personality for this game and you can't move away from that, then, you know, it's on you. You get what you're going to get. So if they, if they're insistent on, you know, it's, it's December, it's the winter, not that it changes, but like, let's say that, that the winter months have something to do with it. And they say, well, part of our game plan is we want, Derrick Henry to get 22 catch 22 touches every game because it's really those last 10 that really wear on the defense. Okay. But if they don't, then you've basically, because basically you're forfeiting 10 or so plays a game where you're just going to get no yards because the other team knows you're going to run it. You're not doing anything special to be creative about it. And you don't have great talent on your offensive line. So you you've got to assume that you're going to lose half of those carries and they're probably all going to be in the first half. So if you're, if you're committed to say we can dig ourselves out of that kind of hole, well, first of all, you knock the ceiling of what this offense can be down because like you can't, you can't forfeit, you know, a fifth of your plays and be all you can be. So that's kind of where they are. And, you know, 
is the can the running game back, get back on track? Yeah, but the way to really do it is to just show teams that there's a world where you line up Derrick Henry in the backfield for two straight drives and you never hand him the ball. You go play action or you dump off screen passes or whatever, but you it, you just can't be so predictable. It's what's gotten them killed in the playoffs the last two years. And we've talked about this before, and, uh, you know, Tannehill takes the blame for it, but it's Derrick Henry and his 2.2 yard carry that really kills the offense in the postseason because, again, when you commit a third of your touches – you know, maybe more or 30 year snaps on offense, maybe more to run in the ball. And and you can't get you average 2.2 yards. You're going to lose that game. So that that that's the whole problem with this offense is let's say you let's say you ignore all of Downing's history. Right. If you think that he's got a good offensive mind somewhere in there, it wouldn't even matter that much because he's already hamstrung by the fact that he's got to run it 50% of the time to stay in, stay out of the doghouse with Mike Vrabel. And we know that because we've seen them with Dontrell Hilliard and Deonta Foreman, and we saw them do that. You know, we saw them do that whether they had A.J. Brown and Julio. Uh, you know, we saw it whether we, – we saw it regardless of who was on the field. And Vrabel has said it, that that's the identity of this team. And he said it in the offseason. He just said that that's how he thinks good football teams win games, despite the fact that that's not true when you look at the teams that win Super Bowls. So and until they break that clear tendency, they're just always going to be in trouble with that. So I, I'm I'm not really sure if they will do what they need to do to dig the running game out of this hole and to kind of make it not so obvious, but I can guarantee you in the playoffs, whoever they play is going to put eight guys in the box. They're going to line guys. They're going to line up uh, in that bare front with three defensive tackles. And they're going to have that look in their system because that's what Denver did to them. And it crushed them and it stopped any momentum Henry had. And every team who's dabbled in it has slowed the Titans down. So uh, unless you can find ways to punish them by not running it with Derrick Henry every single time you have the ball, like uh, then you're just going to be in trouble. People don't want to hear it because Derrick Henry is probably their favorite player. Yeah, I mean, he's my favorite player. They, like, don't get me wrong, but you cannot win a Super Bowl in this league given how it's set up right now with a clear emphasis and an overemphasis on giving the ball to your running back and running the ball. It's just, it's impossible. And we've seen it in the playoffs the last two seasons. Uh, was it the last? Yeah, the Bengals the Bengals game and the Ravens game. We even saw it in the Chiefs game in the AFC Championship. Like, I don't think they were going to win that game uh, anyway if they, if they did, if Derrick Henry, uh, you know, would have had a better game or if they didn't, uh, or if they passed more. I, I don't think it would have mattered because Mahomes, uh, was fantastic and was pretty dead set on getting in the Super Bowl. Uh, but him and the running game and the reliance on a failing running game was the reason that they lost both of the last two playoff games. And yeah, Tannehill had had a big part to play in the Bengals game for sure. Uh, he threw a lot of he threw a lot of interceptions that some of them he shouldn't have thrown uh, at all, and it was a big reason for it. But another reason was that the running game was terrible. The Bengals sold out to stop the run. They were able to do it, and then the offense was just completely uh, disjointed from there. The same thing happened in this game, and Tannehill played great. He was awesome. I mean, he he averaged 8.6 yards per attempt. He's having one of the best seasons of his career. It's crazy. It's, like, gone underrated somehow. Uh, he's, he's not at the level of 2019-2020 Ryan Tannehill, uh, but if he keeps this up from the last two weeks, I mean— Last week he averaged over 12 yards per attempt. This this week 8.6. If he keeps this up, he might near those same type of numbers. Not touchdown numbers, uh, and maybe not passing yards numbers, but in terms of the the underlying metrics, like he might be right there, and he might be playing in that level. But he needs the opportunity to to throw the ball more because that seems to be the best way to move the ball for the times right now. Unfortunately, it's just the philosophy is 
give the ball to Derrick Henry, and I get it. I, I do get it because he's been the best running back in the league for a really long time, and I still think he can be uh, with a better run-blocking offensive line. But this offensive line just isn't giving you that option, and the Titans need to adjust uh, and and change their ways according to that because if they don't, they're going home in the first round of the playoffs, and, and I have I have no doubt about it, honestly. Like, you, we, this might be a stop the nonsense in the future, what I'm saying right now, but it just feels like that's the way it's heading, given given the signs uh, that we're getting. Uh, putting a bow on that, and I want to talk a little bit about I, I kind of set it variable for for a lot of things in, in this game, uh, but one of the things that that bothered me the most was was the field goal attempt late. I, I don't know if it would have mattered. Maybe the, the Bengals would have gone down the field uh, if we had scored a touchdown. Uh, just to give context, the, the Titans were down 20-13. to 13. Uh, They go down the field. They get to 4th and 5 at the Cincinnati 20 uh, with 6 minutes left in the 4th quarter. Vrabel decides to kick the field goal instead of going for it. And on the ensuing drive, the Bengals just don't give up the ball. They go on a 12-play, 66-yard drive, and the game ends, uh, and that's it. I thought they should have gone for it because the defense, the last two drives, was not able to stop uh, the Bengals in terms of through the passing game with T. Higgins and also Burrow on on some of these scrambles. And P. Ryan was also breaking a lot of tackles uh, towards the end of this game. So I thought they should have gone for it. It ends up biting them uh, in the butt, and they don't even get the ball back with a chance to to do anything. Uh, so, what do you think? I, I I got I got upset about that, especially for a coach who always acts like he he's aggressive and, and usually he goes forward in the right situations. So I don't want to like bag on him too much. It, it, like there there are actual analytics that Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in terms of going for it when he actually has to go for it uh in terms of what the analytics say uh so i don't want to bag on him too much for but i i thought this was a clear clear uh situation where he should have gone for it what do you think so i've kind of done a 180 on this because in part of this may may be my brain just trying to like seek out answers and figure out what you know problem solve but what again as with all things with Mike Vrabel, there's probably 50% of it is planned and 50% of, his, uh, of it is us giving him too much credit. But what if his thinking was, okay, we're down by a touchdown. If we kick this field goal and make it, we'll be up by four. And there's a world where Cincinnati is okay settling for a field goal. So we would get the ball back and be able to win with eight points with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. Because if they go for it and make it, right, and they – in the Titans score and they go up, at, what would it be, 23 to 20 at that point, then uh, – yeah, is that – yeah, it'd be tw- – no. No, it was be, 20 to 13. They would have tied the game with a yeah, touchdown. Yeah, okay, that's – yeah, so they would have tied it. The, so, so then – there's no chance with what we saw from that defense that they were going to go down the field and not, not be able to kick a field goal. Like their kicker just has too much range. Like he was like, we were just, there was no juice to the pass rush. You know, like it didn't look like we, it looked like we'd run out of gas. So what if his thinking was, if we tie it here, they're going to eat up the clock and kick a field goal. But if we kick a field goal, and are only down by four points and can make them settle for a field goal to go up by seven, then we can go down the field and score a touchdown and a two point conversion with no time on the clock and win the game. Again, I don't so think dumb. that's what there's Mike, no way. There's yeah. no way. Well, it's like, it's like, I don't think that's what Mike Vrabel is thinking, but at the same time, I'm like, do you, okay, so let's say they score a touchdown there and tie it up. Do you think with how the Titans played, I mean, they had to, they needed to get a stop and knew that the Bengals were going to try to run the ball a lot. And even then, they forced them to kick a field goal from, like, the 10-yard line or whatever. I mean, like, they were right on the doorstep anyway, and they didn't have to kick the field goal because uh, the Titans hit the long snapper and it didn't count, and they, they got the win that way. But, I mean, if they'd have got – I mean – 
I don't know. I don't feel like the Titans were going to stop them either way. So, I mean, the, the only way they were going to win that game is if they'd gotten the ball back and knowing how that last drive went, like with the Bengals, the only way conceivably they could have won that game is if the defense hadn't lined up and, you know, hit the long snapper and then the Titans got the ball back and Tannehill does what he did right before the half and he goes all the way down the field, scores a touchdown and then gets a two point because I I don't know, there was never a time in that game where I felt like the Titans were playing better than the Bengals in any phase except for the punting game. Everything else seemed like the Bengals were much more confident, you know, less stress on their offensive line, you know, less stress on their defense to stop the Titans. They had a good game plan, less, you know, it, you know, their running game felt like they could, you know, when they needed it, they could pull it out to get five yards. So it, it never felt like the Titans had any sort of momentum against the Bengals. And it didn't help that they kept having to settle for field goal attempts when they were in the red zone. So I, I don't know, like that, that was a frustrating call and the lack of aggression from Mike Vrabel all day was, was aggravating, but I don't know, like th- this just felt like a game from the second they settled for that first field goal, that it was just going to be the Titans are going to have to have some lucky break or get a turnover, which they didn't do, uh, or, or it was just going to be kind of what it was. Yeah, frustrating loss. Uh, not a crusher, just because you know the Bengals are a good team. So this isn't like this isn't like they lost to the, the Texas, the one and nine and one Texans, you know. So I, I don't feel too terrible about it, but I just I, I wish they were better, and I, and I think they have the talent to be better, but unfortunately, it's just it's it's not happening right now. And look, I'm not going to blame the coaching staff for everything. I, I thought they got outplayed too. Uh, some of the times players just got, they got outplayed. Like McCreary uh, got got by T. Higgins a, a good amount. T. Higgins is an amazing player. Joe Burrow made a lot of plays with his legs, and he looked like, you know, top five quarterback Joe Burrow. So I don't feel bad losing to that type of team. But at home, trying to measure up against one of the AFC's best, I mean, that's a game. That's a game you should win. Uh, plain and simple. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, that's the type of team that that you should beat, uh, especially at home, uh, especially in a revenge game. By the way, which they said it wasn't a revenge game. The Bengals played like it was a re- revenge game. They came out. They were breaking tackles. They were running angry. They were hitting Derrick Henry hard on every play. And the times looked kind of soft at times, man. And I don't, I, I don't like that type of that type of effort uh, that we got from them. Uh, but hopefully it's just a blip in the radar and, you know, it's one of those regular season uh, lulls type of thing. Uh, the problem is, well, there is no problem because because of the, the the division is so bad that it doesn't even matter. But it would be nice for them to keep a higher seed uh, intact and, and in play. Uh, and they're still in it. They're still in it. The, the team above them right now is the Dolphins and they're just one game uh, above them. So it's not the end of the world. Uh, but it, it does get a little bit difficult with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, being next on the schedule, uh, which we're going to talk about right after this ad break. Welcome back into No Nonsense, the Tennessee Times podcast. Now with the Bengals game in the rearview mirror, uh, the Titans have another really difficult game coming up in the Philadelphia Eagles, who after a two-week stretch where they really didn't look good, like – uh, they played really bad against the Colts, and they lost to the Commanders, I think it was. Yeah, it was Washington. Yeah, uh, yeah they came back uh, this week on Sunday Night Football, destroyed the Packers. They did give up a, a lot of points, uh, and, and their defense has been a little bit hit or miss lately. Uh, we'll see if Jordan Davis plays in this game. He's been a huge part of their run defense, and it, it's a reason they've been getting run on a lot. Uh, as of late, so I'm not sure if he's going to be back. But regardless, it seems like the Eagles finally got back back on track on offense. Uh, although the Packers' defense can put anyone on track, really. They they are they are a terrible unit. But the Eagles are, are clearly one of the best teams in the league. I think they actually have the best record in the league. League period. Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP type of level. They have a really good running game. Uh, 
what do you think about this game? Uh, it, it being on the road makes me a little more. Actually, I don't know. The Titans like it. It seems like home field doesn't matter for the Titans, right? Like they lose a lot of games at home that they probably shouldn't lose, and they win games on the road that they probably shouldn't win. Uh, so they're kind of a random inverse type of team where the home field advantage just isn't really there for them. At least that's the type of a vibe I get. I, I don't go to the games. You go to the games. So you could probably speak more on this. But you think uh, facing the Eagles on the road I- instead of facing them at home matters at all? No. I, I mean, I think that the Titans have some sort of home field advantage when they're playing against like an offense that's real pass heavy and not, you know, might have some like a newer quarterback or like, you know, offensive line that's an offensive line that's inexperienced or whatever. But uh, sorry if you can hear my dog, but the the Eagles are not that like the Eagles are like when in doubt, like Jalen Hurts just going to tuck it and run like and that's that's a good thing to do. Like he likes to get on the edge. He likes to, you know, he's very fast and they spread you out. So it's, you know, very difficult to cover that. And being very loud is is cool, but Lane Johnson fall starts every single play. Like it's sort of like Hopkins is uh, push off like his his get off. He always moves before the, the ball's snapped and then, you know, he does it consistently. So refs don't really care. Um, so like he's never going to get called for a false start. And then the rest of the I mean, their whole offensive line is great. So. You know, they can go on silent count, whatever, but they're at home, so they won't have to, obviously. But that, that, the question of would home field advantage matter? Probably not. So you also said, uh, you know, the road games don't seem to have that sort of effect. It's weird. Like the Titans, you know, you think about how they played with Malik Willis uh, in Kansas City. Like, it, you know, everybody but, you know, Malik Willis and the receivers were really like, playing their best on the road and they were clearly at a disadvantage in that environment. And the fact that, you know, the chiefs had an extra week off to prepare and all that. So, you know, like they, they do seem to thrive well in these challenging situations, as long as things don't get away from them again, like the, the Buffalo game did. So I, I don't, I don't know, like go talking about the game in general. I, I I'm curious to see, cause I didn't think that the Philadelphia, I didn't think Philadelphia looked good at all the last two weeks. Like they've looked functional on offense, but like Hertz had to have uh, three, what was it, like 300 yards rush, like, or not, not him alone. They had 350 yards rushing, but he had a ton of yards rushing. And, you know, that when you can do that consistently and a defense doesn't seem to have a plan for you, that's going to, you know, like, Lamar won an MVP off of that. Like if you can tuck it and run and get up field and you don't worry about your quarterback getting hurt, which I mean, he hurts got hit like a lot. Like, I mean, he, there was a bunch of weird, like, you know, one time it looked like he might've hurt his back and he got up slow. Another time he got hit like a little bit low and he kind of had like, kind of had like a mini limp after it and all that. And yeah, that's going to happen when you're getting tackled by 300 pound dudes. But you know, they, they didn't seem to care at all. And, Sirianni doesn't seem to have any concern about that. So, I mean, it's going to be an aggressive offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to go for it on fourth downs. I mean, it's it's almost exactly like playing the Ravens all those years ago when they were the one seed, except instead of three really good tight ends, they have two really good receivers. And so, I mean, it's going to be difficult. It's At this point, it's not going to be anything that, Vrabel hasn't seen with the Titans because they've just played so many different teams at this point and so many different styles, but uh, it's, it's going to be an aggravating matchup where they're going to have to score points. Like they can't try to play their style of football because trying to keep it to a 2017 game, because you saw that happen with the Colts is not going to work for the Titans because typically that's not the game that the Eagles play, but I'm sure that that's what the Titans will try to do. And, you know, they'll try to run it up the middle and they'll try because there's this weird I, I need to look up why they're doing it. But for the past ever since uh, Washington, there's this weird like tight end trap that teams have run against the Eagles. And I don't know if they just don't defend it well or if it isolates one of their linebackers and that guy can't make tackles or what. But Washington did it like 
eight to ten times. Like that, they did it over and over again. And I saw it some in the Packers game too. And I wonder if there's there's some schematic thing that they're exploiting or what. But teams believe they can run it up the middle on the Eagles, and they've been right. So, I mean, even adding Indomitian Sue and Limbaugh Joseph, uh, the Packer. Or the only reason the Packers slowed down at all was because they passed the ball. The running game and the little swing passes to the running backs, like that, I mean, they were killing the Eagles. And the 33 points is not an illusion. Like, even when Love went in there, they could still move the ball pretty much with ease. So, uh, that that is a viable strategy. But again, you've got to be creative and you've got to do it the way that you, the way, you know, you've got to add in plays like what those two teams have done. And, what or what Washington, Indianapolis, and uh, Green Bay have done, and I don't know if Todd Downing would look at another team and say, "This is something that worked. I'm going to incorporate that." And so that makes me naturally hesitant to say that the Titans are going to find any sort of way to move the ball effectively unless they lean more on the passing game. Yeah, the Eagles have. Well, in terms of the running game, run defense, uh, obviously Jordan Davis being out has been a pretty big factor uh, in all this. I, it's it's crazy how bad they've been since uh, since he got injured. Granted, like you said, they signed Sue and Joseph, uh, but I don't think they're the talent level at this point in their careers uh, that Jordan Davis is and has play, played at uh, this season. So hopefully he's not going to play in this game. I think that'll make things a little bit easier for the Titans. Uh, especially since they have to get their run game uh, figured out. But I've also noticed that a lot receivers are, like, having really good games against the Eagles uh, lately, even though they have good cornerbacks. Obviously, they have Darius Slay, uh, and their other cornerbacks aren't bad at all, although some of them have been, I feel like one of them gets injured every, every, every week, uh, and they have to start another one. So maybe that's an issue there. But, I mean, against Washington, Terry McLaurin had a really big game. Uh, against the Colts, Pittman and Paris Campbell had good games. Uh, and in this game against the Packers, Christian Watson once again uh, went deep, uh, got open down the field. Uh, so I think there's success to be had against this defense. Like, I don't think it's the same type of elite defense that we thought they were earlier in the season. I, I think the Titans offense could theoretically have success if they, if they wanted to uh, and if they run block even somewhat well if they don't we're going to get the same type of of performances that that we've gotten the past couple of weeks but in terms of the passing offense I think Tannehill could could keep the mojo going I think Traylon Burks is going to have opportunities to make plays big game for him too coming up against the the player that you know he's quote unquote replacing uh and let, let let's talk a little bit about AJ Brown because we haven't mentioned it yet but this is this is the revenge game. This this is the one he's had uh, circled on his calendar all season. I think Titans fans have also had this one circled uh, on their calendars because obviously we want to beat AJ Brown, especially after he keeps tweeting about the Titans for no reason. And ever since he tweeted about them, he's been absolutely terrible. Uh, even though he caught a touchdown in this past game, but he also fumbled the ball uh, and lost it. So do. You, what do you think? Do you think AJ Brown is going to wake up from this little uh, spell, poor spell that he's had, and and get up for this game and, and take it to the Titans, or do you think the Titans can can frustrate him with different things? And do you think the Titans are going to pay special attention to him, or do you think that's not really a consideration for them? I mean, I, AJ is is going to be as good as his attention span allows. Like, just like every, you know, if he remembers to hold the ball tight, if he remembers to catch the ball, like he's, he's great. I mean, like he's awesome. Like they've got plenty of volume in their offense, but the problem is he just, his attention span is so, I mean, so short. Like, I mean, part of that's great because if you drop a pass, you can catch the next one. But some of it is he just is constantly trying to run before he has the ball, you know, just small dumb decisions that that he makes all the time and that's why you know the past two weeks he's had those fumbles where you know the Colts game he had a fumble and um I don't remember if it led to a scoring drive or it led to uh, a score directly and then uh, it was the same thing against the Packers where I think got returned to like 
the 10 yard line or something. I mean, like it, it basically flipped the field completely and really helped energize the Packers and help them. I, I don't know if it was 20 to zero at that point or if it was 14 to zero and that, but it, it was, it was somewhere along the, the Packers comeback that really helped even the, the momentum out because at the beginning of the game, it felt like it was all Eagles. Like there was just nothing the Packers were going to do. And then, you know, fast forward and you see that it's a seven point game and it's 40 to 33. So something must've gone right. And really the fumble was the catalyst for that. So I, I don't think they're going to pay any special attention to AJ because they don't really pay special. I mean, they paid special attention to Devonte Adams, but I mean, AJ is not Devonte Adams. Like it, they, they'll probably, and really you can't pay that much attention to any one player in uh, when you're playing the Eagles because they like Smith as much or more as they like AJ. I mean, like, I, I don't know how the targets bear out and all that. I know AJ has more yards because he was getting force fed in the beginning of the year, but over the last three or four weeks, uh, Smith is the more impressive player. So, I mean, again, that th- some of that sounds like just AJ Brown slander and like bitter and all that. It's, it's not, I mean, just go back and watch. Like he's just, he looks smoother. Like he just, AJ's clearly got something going in his head right now, but I mean that AJ's always been that kind of guy. So, you know, does that mean that he won't have 120 yards and eight catches? No, I mean, we we saw against the Colts just how spiteful Sirianni is as as just a human. So he could very much bind to the yeah, like yeah, let's stick it to the guys who traded you, all that kind of stuff, and you know they can gaslight each other and pretend that's what happened and get get pumped up and and turn in that kind of performance but it's also a game where you know if somebody got under AJ's skin like i mean he could he could throw a punch and get ejected i mean he he could lose his mind like if if this was in Nashville and he had two drops I, he he would be distraught on the sideline i mean like he would be helmet across the field like he like like DK was like when Fulton kind of kind of got in his head and got at him like that so I I don't know what'll happen you know the Titans have not have not played well against receivers when the ball has been in the air like they don't seem to have any desire to undercut things or do anything like that they kind of want to just make the tackle on the spot but you know if they if they wanted to get sort of in AJ's face and you know, make him pay attention the whole time and all that, that they could make it hard for him. But I think Hertz is just smart enough to where he'd say, like, unless there was a mandate that this was a stick it to the Titans game, like they could just go other directions and try different players. So I don't think there'll be any special attention for AJ. Like, I think I think he'll tweet something at some point, either before or after. The, well, if if they lose, he won't tweet anything, or he'll tweet something and delete it, or or whatever. But if they win, he'll absolutely tweet something and get people excited. But I mean, that's just who AJ is. Like Kevin Byard kind of made fun of him at the press conference, and he was like, you know, he's always like he's you know he's got something to say, and you know he, that's my dog and all that. But I mean, I, I I would love to have the Titans players take a lie detector test and just see like how many of them are just glad they don't really have to deal with him anymore because that he's kind of the only one who had that sort of like diva mentality or, or whatever. And like I said, that you should as a wide receiver, like you've got to have some of that. So, but you listen to him and Taylor Lewan talk on, uh, on the podcast a few years ago, or, you know, you listen to them talk about him and it's like, he's all like, he's always rubbed some people the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, he's a very emotional player, and, and I think that has pros and cons. Um, so we'll see which we'll we'll see if if the pro side or the con side uh, comes down this game. Uh, like you said, like if he starts dropping a couple of passes, and we've seen that before, man. Like if he gets even one drop in a game, he just checks out, man. And I don't know why that happens to him. I I, I think it does happen to some receivers, but. A lot of them have like short-term memories, uh, and they just come back the next play, and, and you know they run their route, they catch the ball, and that's it, move along. AJ Brown for some reason doesn't seem to be that type of uh, person, so it, it's going to be important for the Titans to to get in his head a little bit if they can. But also, like you said, they have a lot of weapons that they can attack you with, and even if we take AJ Brown out of the game, 
uh, the, the the battle has has not been won because Devontae Smith is is an up and coming star in this league. He could really uh, beat you by himself, really at, at times, and he plays a lot bigger than uh, his frame suggests. And, and like you said, the the Titans cornerbacks have not been have not been very good in contested catch situations. So this is a game where Devontae Smith could uh, potentially have an impact uh, that way. I think on paper, the matchup maybe lends itself well to the Titans because the the Eagles love to run the ball so much, but they do it in so many different type of types of ways uh, with their quarterback, with their running backs. Uh, sometimes they get the receivers involved as well. It, it's tough. It, it's going to be tough. I, I'm, I'm taking solace in the fact that they've played the Lamar Jackson Ravens very well in the past, and, and they've held them to pretty low point totals uh so maybe it it's it's a good sign but i am still i'm still a little bit scared uh especially with hurts playing so well uh through the air like he has improved so much as a passer uh and he's just so dynamic as a runner if they're not running designed plays for him he's going to kill us with scrambles because as we saw like every quarterback seems to to be able to scramble against the Titans for whatever reason, Burrow did it a bunch of times uh, in this last game. So hopefully the Titans have a good game plan in place. They're going to need it because our offense just refuses to score more than than 20, 24, 27 points uh, at the most. 27, I think, is a season high uh, for the Titans. And it's going to be tough to win uh, against the Eagles if we don't put up points. So. We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll see what the Titans uh, come up with. Hopefully, they uh, have a good showing. Is this a is this a one p.m. twelve p.m. game? I actually don't. I'm yeah, yeah, it's totally it's sure. noon or it's noon my time, one your time. Another one, huh? Second one in yeah. a row where the, I don't get it. I I don't understand it at all. Maybe they have a better schedule this week. Um, and actually, they were right to not put the, <laughs> the Titans Bengals game. Yeah. Uh, it, at not at uh not at noon because. Man, it was pretty. It was pretty boring. Uh, yeah. But this should be a fun one. I think. I think at least there's good storylines here. Two good teams. Uh, Titans coming off a loss. They should be wanting to win. Uh, and the Eagles with a win and one more loss, I think, can actually clinch the North. Is that the the East? Is that correct? I don't know if it's a division or, <sighs> then, or a no. It's just a, it's just a playoff spot. Playoff. If okay, they okay. they have to win this week, and then there's like three other things that need to happen because oh, okay. they, them and the Vikings can both uh, right. lock lock in their playoffs because they're the first two that can clinch, which uh, I believe this is a Mike Herndon uh, tweet. If it's not, somebody tweet at me and tell me I'm wrong. But I think Mike Herndon said that the Titans' magic number against the Colts is three and against the Jaguars is four. So once some combination happens of the Titans getting three wins or the Colts getting three more losses or uh, the Titans getting four wins and the Jaguars getting four more losses, like once a combination of both of those things happen, then the Titans, because the Titans could be locked in after next week if they win this week and win against the Jaguars and if the Jaguars lose and then lose next week, I, I believe. And the Colts would have to lose somewhere in there. Doesn't doesn't really matter. But it is interesting that we're at that time of the year now because, you know, at how many, like, even going back to the early uh, John Robinson days when the Titans were 9-7 and seven a lot, like, how many times has it been, the you know, week 16 back then or week 17 now where the Titans are like, okay, all we have to do is not lose or all we have to do is win. Or if we lose, these other teams have to lose and then we'll make the playoffs. Like now it's like, okay, if you win in two weeks, are you going to rest your play and rest some players or, you know, it's, it's good to have those sort of problems, but it also kind of reminds you of what, what tier of the league you are and just how bad the rest of the AFC South is. Yeah. It's crazy that they're that close it's 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 incredible but yeah the the afc south is is really bad and there's a lot of bad teams in the league this season uh, i mean the fact that the eagles could clinch a playoff spot also uh very soon i'm surprised they honestly so kind of surprised uh they haven't yet uh given the state of the nfc i mean I the, the have you seen the Bucks? Have you seen the Buccaneers? Yeah, the whole the whole <laughs> NFC uh, South is just below five hundred. Also, disgusting. the AFC 
the AFC is not much better because I believe now, I mean, part of this is just the team and not the actual like record, but uh, the jets are in, in the lead for the AFC East, right? Like they're like the Jets. No, have no. The Dolphins. Dolphins. Oh, or the Dolphins. Okay. And then the jets had the five seed. Yeah. They're, I think they have the six the seed because seeds. the bills have bills have five. Uh, oh, jets okay. have seven. So they're all three. Um, the Jets or Bengals have six or seven. I think those are the six and seven teams. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the rest of the AFC, like it's, it's terrible. The well, Browns the J- are four. The Jets seven. are on their third quarterback. I mean, the Jets, <laughs> like the Jets, have played Mike White, uh, Joe Flacco, and uh, uh, Wilson. So it's like they found, and, finally found their best yeah, quarterback. By the they, way, <laughs> yeah, they benched their young uh, second overall pick quarterback and didn't miss a beat either time he was out. So it's just like. <laughs> like that what a weird place to be in where you have three interchangeable quarterbacks and you're still like eight and three and like or whatever or seven and four whatever they are and it's just like i what a weird time for the nfl yeah uh so thankful that we, we play in the afc south uh i mean i think we would handle our business in some of these other leagues um, shout out AFC West for, for absolutely sucking after everyone thought it was going to be yeah. the, the best division in NFL history. Paper Meanwhile, tigers. Raiders or Broncos, seven combined wins. Chargers yeah. are barely above 500. Oh, man. You, you simply you love to see it. But, um, yeah, hopefully the Titans could, could get a win against the Eagles and, and make their lives easier uh, although I think they're still going to even even once they clinch the division, I still think they're going to uh, they're not going to rest their starters because they would like a better seed. Uh, and it, until they're locked into a seed, I, I don't think they're going to they're going to rest anyone. But better to get as many, many wins as possible. And hopefully this will be a good game uh, to watch as well. We're going to take an ad break here and we'll come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast. Will, do you have a stop the nonsense for, for us? I do. I touched on it earlier. Um, I was going to go through, and Sports Illustrated put out a tweet that says Twitter erupted into major celebration after a U.S. men's national team was win over Iran or Iran or Era or however you want to say it. Um, but if, like, my stop the nonsense is. I don't have a problem with being patriotic. That's cool. I don't have a problem if you like soccer. That that's that's fine. If you're one of the I would say 5000 people I've seen on my timeline who is commenting on like oh this guy was wide open, why didn't he pass? And you use like you use words like feed and touch and like uh, like all these like little like kind of soccer words that you know and then I don't see you tweet about soccer for the majority of the other, you know, three years and 355 days of the year. I just just say go USA. Like, don't I it it bugs me when people and this is just a personal pet peeve, I guess. But it bugs me when people act like they have like a level of fandom that they don't. It's sort of like uh, stolen valor. But like for fandoms, like. I I have a similar gripe with some people who talk about the Vols and who I'll ask, like, you know, what do you think about the game on Saturday? And they'll say, oh, look, I I didn't watch it. I was out of town. But when the Vols are playing Georgia, they're they're commenting on, you know, where the ball should be thrown and all this kind of stuff. Like, I I don't know that something about that rubs me the wrong way. So if you're one of those people, please stop and just say, go USA and use the hashtag or whatever. But don't feel the need to become a coach for 12 minutes and then hang up your cleats for another four years. That that is irritating to me. Feels like a subtweet towards me, but I'm not gonna. Just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm tweeting exactly. about no, soccer you're, you're all the pro. time. <laughs> uh, now I will say, if the, and this is a different category. If you're somebody like me who every now and then will see Matthias tweet a lot about soccer, and you just like quote tweet it and say like. Uh, a clearly like fake take on soccer do that forever that's always <laughs> like 
like just say like how you've constantly been saying that like i think i i think i tweeted the other day that i was telling my friends eight years ago that this young french team was going to be great and eight yeah, years, yeah. obviously lying but like if you, that that is different like if you have a funny take or if you have something like that by all means shoot that shot but uh, otherwise yeah also please um no uh no tweets about, you know, imagine if we had LeBron James playing soccer. Can we not? Those are so can, funny. Can we not do that? Please, I'm begging like, you guys. Begging we, you. We've, we've all talked about it, and I, it might have been one of our stop finances before, but when they had Iron Man on the poster or, and, like, all those, like, oh. imaginary characters, and they're like, we're all behind you. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, sometimes the U.S. the U.S. fan base, so. Yeah, during, during the World Cup. Anyway, uh, I also have my self-analysis is also about the World Cup, um, and it's mostly about the press uh, surrounding it. Uh, so I don't know if if you saw this, but uh, one of the U.S. players actually the other day uh, at a press conference, I think it was yesterday, um, an Iranian reporter, uh, first of all, is asking Tyler Adams, the captain of the U.S. men's national team. Before he even asked him a question, he 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 like chastises him for saying Iran instead of Iran, which uh, okay, uh, I I get it. Like I would be, I, I would maybe be upset if someone uh, mispronounces uh, my country's name. Actually, not really. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. Uh, Tyler Adams had a really good response to that, but then after that, he just started asking him about like the socio-political. Uh, issues and background that comes with this game. And I'm just like, dude, he's just playing soccer. He's here to represent uh, his national team. He just wants to win the World Cup. He's not here, uh, you know, to to support a cause uh, and fight fight a non-existent war between USA and Iran. Like, it has nothing to do with him. He doesn't have—he's not a politician. He is a soccer player. Uh, and he's just there to play, man. And super, super annoying uh, question. He handled it really well. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, and it didn't stop there because in another press conference uh, for the Belgium national team, there was an Egyptian journalist who uh, was asking Eden Hazard, who plays on the Belgium national team, a question. And he was like, I've noticed that you've gained weight. Uh, have you noticed this yourself? <laughs> and Eden Hazard's like, no, no, I haven't noticed this. Like, what is he supposed to say? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm fat now. I'm fatter than I was four years ago. Just ridiculous. And then he asked him for a selfie, and then Hazard denied him uh, the selfie request. Man, just uh, come on. Can we cover the the biggest uh, tournament uh, in in soccer with? A little bit more objectivity and a little bit more nuance, please. That's all I'm asking for. It, both of those things are so funny because that. So sometimes I'll hear, uh, and this is rare. I'll hear uh, soccer interview questions, and it sounds almost like some of the questions that get asked at the Super Bowl, where it's just like completely off the wall nonsense questions, and it. It makes me feel very good similar. to hear, like very similar. Yeah, like it's, to hear it's you, reporters like, that like because I did see that. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry, sorry. Well, no, you like, but like you were gonna say, it's like the reporters that just don't get access to these people, and so they're like, I'm just gonna like, what can I ask somebody from the U.S.? And it's like, that's not really like their jurisdiction. It's like, but the the range of que- like the range of, uh, can you explain why your military is here, or? Uh, to uh did you eat too much over the last like two weeks like it's such a like the importance of those questions is such a weird like vacillation and i would argue that the weight one was even more appropriate than the other one which is it's just it's it's funny and also insane and that that is the one part i do love is just how absurd it is to hear some of those questions I would love to hear Mike Rabel get one of these questions. Uh, it would just be just to hear his response. That would be amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, we're almost at the point where someone's going to ask, like, who would you screw, marry or kill Messi, Maradona or Pelé? 
not like we're very yeah. close to one of those types of questions coming and i can't i can't wait can't wait for it to happen but um yeah uh ridiculous anyway that's gonna do it for us for this week we'll be back next week to recap uh, the game against the Eagles and preview the game against the Jaguars, right? Jaguars. Uh, is that true? Yeah, Jaguars. And then they play the Chargers. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so that'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in as always. And remember to stop the nonsense. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.